They say the giants made this river, the artery of capital whose brown water spills out to stain the western sea. A great stone plough, borne upon ancient shoulders to split the earth, brown clay on one side, grey cliff on the other. But a river only goes so far, for this city, in this new 19th century, another artery was needed, and it wasn't to be cut by giant plough, but by mortal hands. Thousands of navvies, labourers with shovel and axe, many of whom gave their lives to the mud, realising a decades-long engineering project to connect capital with Mountjoy and its resource-rich neighbours on the continent to float the fruits of industry through the foothills, forests and fens, and finally, the district of Frogmore, the Royal Canal, the busy water highway of capital, brought to life by an ecosystem of barge pilots, horse drivers, engineers and druidic magic workers to keep the water flowing and the product moving. The blood and sweat of Frogmore is in this water, and along its banks, we find a young man, an owl folk, with the features of a barn. Curtis is coming home and he's walking past the Royal Canal and as he stares out into the water, it reminds him of his childhood, running with his friends gleefully. And just as he turns the corner to head home, he notices a bench and a human couple sat there feeding bread to the pigeons. They give you a neighbourly nod as you peel away from the canal and head back to the family home. Just before you arrive, the door opens and a woman steps out. An austere winter fey elf, whose grey walking dress skims the paving stones. The shawl on her shoulders matches the midnight blue of her skin, and from her bold scalp emerges a nest of white twigs, a natural bonnet of bare winter foliage. Curtis, this is Mrs Crossingham, the landlady of Frogmore, on behalf of the Fool's Brigade. Oh, uh, Mrs Crossingham... Ah, Mr. Greyring, I was hoping to catch you this morning. Ah, well, um, here I am then, right on time. I just had some business to discuss with your mother. Oh yeah, what business would that be? I was just informing her that from next month I will be requiring rent payments on this property. Rent? What? Why? What? what? We've never paid rent. <laughs> yes, for a reason. Maybe you know that this house once belonged to your grandfather, Miles. We gave it to him as a reward for his service to the brigade. And when he left us, we allowed your parents to keep it as a favour to the family, but your family's stellar reputation has taken a bit of a dip, and I think you know why. Look, I'm sorry what happened on Beltane. I just... I was trying to look out for everyone, you understand? You, me, all of us in Frogmore. Do not lecture me on Frogmore, Mr Greywing. It's my property, and it's been my business for a hundred years. Right. um. So you can help yourself by repairing some of the damage you've done to your family's reputation. We're not the Shooter's Hill gang. (laughs) We don't go straight to an eye for an eye. I just don't want any trouble. We've lived in this house for generations, and you know how hard times are. What can I do to make good with the brigade? Your grandfather was the standard bearer for the Prince of Fools. Yeah, uh, I heard a lot about that. Now the period following the coup, the fey migrations here to capital, it was a chaotic time. Miles never revealed the fate of the full standard, but we believe that he brought it over to capital with him. You don't know where it is? 
The full standard has a lot of sentimental value to the brigade, and it's an important historical artifact for the Fae. Its safe return would mean a lot, and wipe the slate clean for you and your family, as well as your feline friend. <laughs> the panty was just tagging along. She didn't know what she was getting herself into. Well, that's the other option, of course. Oh, I'm not bringing you panty. Her debt to us is quite more considerable. It might be easier solution for you than hunting down a hundred-year-old artifact. I do not trade lives. I'm, if I gotta go scrounging around for some flag, suits me much better than handing over my friend to you. I mean, look, I don't want debt for my family, but don't think I forgot that you tried to sacrifice an innocent girl. Doesn't seem like good things to do for the people. That's not how Mrs. Mulberry sees it. If it'll get you out of my hair, out of our hair, yeah, I'll go find your stupid flag. It's an artifact of some significance to the brigade, so please treat it with respect. Of course. Yeah, sorry. But look, if you can't find it, what makes you think I can? Well, it was last in the possession of your family. But my mum's never mentioned it. My, my family doesn't really dabble in fae stuff. Yes, your mother's family was always sceptical of the brigade. But Miles was your father's father. Maybe there's something he hasn't told you. Right, so I guess I'll ask Dad then. I think our business is concluded. <sighs> right. Thanks very much, Mrs. Crossingham. As Mrs. Crossingham leaves for other business, you go into your home. And in the kitchen you find Amy consoling your mother, who looks like she's been crying. Mum, what, what's wrong? Oh, it's Mrs. Crossingham, Curtis. She's just uh, told us that the rent on the house is going up. Yeah, I just saw her. Uh, listen, Mum, it'll be okay. How do you think we afford this house, Curtis? With all the mouths we've had to feed over the years? Your father hasn't worked since he'd done his back on the canal. I know times have been tough. I've been helping where I can. But listen, I spoke to her. I think I can set things straight. Oh, that would be wonderful, Curtis. Thank you. It's all right, Ma. Um, is Dad in? Oh, no, he went... He went off drinking in the old city with one of his old work buddies. Ah, oh, right. Ah, oh, need to talk to him. You know whereabouts? Um, I think he was going out in the shambles, one of the old pubs. Um, I'll go see him. Look, you sit tight. I'm going to make this right. I'm just thinking of what it would be like if we ended up in one of those tenements up at Bedlam. We're not going to Bedlam. We're Grey Wings. We deserve better than that. Uh, your sister Amy gives you sort of a side eye. I hope you know what you're getting into, Curtis. I don't know what they've got you doing, but you just be careful, all right? You don't need to remind me. Ah, thanks, Ames. i got to do what's right. For us. Annie Wexler is a half-elf woman with a long French braid, the silver-haired and silver-tongued co-founder of the Pigeons Thieves Group. Today, she is behind the bar at the Queen Titania, preparing for the wave of churchgoers keen to swap the God's House for the public house. Sunday is a day of rest for the people of Capital, but not for Annie, nor for the overalls wearing Druid making their way into the alehouse. Kamara Asani. Kamara would have just come from a shift somewhere, so they currently look like a human with olive skin, 
green eyes and freckle around their nose and cheeks. And as they slowly enter the building, they revert to a more comfortable form as a darker red-skinned tiefling with a horn spiraling on the right side of their head, dressed in their green overalls and very orange-stained jumper. Uh, they walk into the room just trying to shake off whatever dirt they could. I approach the barmaid. Hey. Hello? Oh, hello there. Can I help? Hi, I'm I'm looking for someone. Would you know... Is... Is Panty about? Uh, yeah. She's out back by the dovecot. She's in disguise, though, so you might not recognize her. Okay. So just... Just through there? Yep. Wait a second, though, before you go. Uh... Sorry, what's your name, my dear? Oh, it's... It's Cam. Cam. Lovely to meet you. I'm Annie. Annie. Hi. You work for the Scarabs sometimes, is that correct? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm putting together a little job, and it could do with help from someone like yourself. You do know the kind of things me and my friends do? Um, can I... can I think on that for a moment? Oh, yeah, sure. It's not for today. I'm still working out the angle. There's a abattoir in the old city, and their waste disposal methods aren't exactly to the guild standards. So... I'm thinking if someone from the Scarabs were to catch him red-handed, might give us a little bit of leverage to get meat back on the menu here in Frogmore. Okay. Okay. Cam is grinning to themselves as they consider the possibility of working with them, but then they shake their head. Okay. If you come over any more details, right now I need a fine panty. Okay. Well, I'll be in touch, Cam. Snipes is out in the garden, chatting with the birds. In the garden of the Queen Tit is a wooden dovecot, home of the actual pigeons which the thieves' group used to send messages across the city. It's here that we find Panty Snipes, talking to a particularly large, battle-hardened pigeon. My best friend, Fluffy, my favourite, my favourite pigeon of all. <laughs> Panty is a leopard catfolk. After the chaos that ensued after her recent adventure, she's trying to disguise herself. So she has changed her usual purple velvet suit for the only outfit she could find with some kind of face covering. And she is in a wedding dress with a veil. It's a second-hand wedding dress. And because Panty sleeps in alleyways, it is covered in filth. I don't think it's a very convincing disguise, but... She's pretty confident that it's working. Oh, Fluffy, I love you. Listen, Panny, if you uh, ever want to sod off and do an adventure on your own, you don't worry about me, all right? You leave me here. What do you mean? I love you coming on adventures with me. Yeah, no, I love going with you, but, like, I'm happy here if you ever want to, you know, make friends of your own kind, people. What are you saying, Fluffy? Are you sad that I didn't take you on my last... No, 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 don't worry about it. Are you, are you sad that I didn't take you on the last one? I like it here. Yeah. These working birds, they love a geezer from the street. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't want to adventure with me because you're getting laid? I do very well for myself here at this <laughs> I'm just saying maybe it would be healthy to make some friends that aren't, you know, animals. The other people that come around here talking to the pigeons in the pub garden, yeah. they're not exactly... Uh... You're telling me to make friends? I tried that. I went out to a celebration of Beltane. And you know what happened? I almost killed a number of people, and now I've got an entire portion of the city wanting me dead. And that's what happens when I socialise. 
if you can find some time in between shagging, I'd really appreciate your support. Because at the moment, there's a lot of people after me. I'll just no, no, no. I'll... Whatever you're doing today, I'll come with you. Okay. Right, sorry. I'm sorry. You're being you're being quite I just cryptic w- here. I'm just wondering if you know who are your friends. Well, that's what I've been questioning myself. Although that wingless wonder, he's been he's had my back recently. Yeah. So don't like him. You don't like him. Don't trust him. You don't trust him. No. Why not? Listen, a man's worth is his loyalty. Right. I'm loyal to you, all right? Yeah. I have made an unspoken oath of loyalty. I appreciate that. As your animal companion. Yeah. That geezer used to play with the fairies, then he ditched them, ran with the teddies. Right. Now he's back here with these pigeon fanciers, with you. Yeah. Well, he's saved my life on a number of occasions. Does that count for anything? I've got, I've got a seventh sense for this kind of thing. A seventh sense? Yeah. What's your sixth one? Or well, finding me way about. <laughs> Uh, alright, well, okay, you've been pretty, you've been uncharacteristically cryptic today. Uh, and what about, what about that cat society you're always talking about? Oh, come on, are you serious? Just the other day you were, uh, saying how you envy their close camaraderie <laughs> within a peer group. <laughs> and that the only thing that you wish was, would be to, for them to explain their beliefs and membership criteria in plain language. I want you to explain, in plain language, Fluffy, what you're trying to get me to do here. Just, I'm just trying to have an up-to-up with you as a, as a friend. Alright, fine. Fluffy, I'm going to go and make a friend. Watch this. Hello. Would you uh, like to be my friend? Uh, uh, are you Panty? Who's, who's asking? Sorry, it might be a bit much. Uh, probably because you wouldn't recognise me. Okay. Uh, but... Well, I look like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam reverts back to a form that you would have recognised as a human, huh. and then back to Tiefling. Have we met? Yeah, yes. Go on, jog my memory. Well, when I moved to Frogmore, uh, just trying to play around, do my own misadventures, I accidentally turned myself into a rat, right. and then got in some trouble, and was stuck... And no one would help me because I was a rat. You're the rat! I was a rat, yes. How's your leg? Uh, better. And then you asked me to kill you and then you turned back into the thing and then you... What? So... Oh, alright. Hi. Sorry. Um, I just... I need your help. Wasn't it for me? I mean, alright, first just... of all, my name's not Panty. I'm trying to keep a low profile here. I'm... Bride, uh, Mrs. 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 McBride. I'm Mrs. McBride. Mrs. McBride. Yes. Okay. Don't mention the name Panty around here. Okay. Okay. There's a few people who are a little bit upset with a certain amount of throwing knives around that I've been doing. Okay. Mrs. McBride. Yes. You rang. So, um, I'm in a bit of trouble right mm-hmm. now, and for whatever reason. Your name was brought up, so I figured uh, you might be the solution. Okay, go on. For whatever reason, rent is going up. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. And my my family, they're just having a bad time with it, and apparently you might have been a reason for it. I might have been a reason for your rent. I don't know. I don't get it. 
whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I saved your life. Yeah, and so I... I don't have any money. I spent it all on this dress. Well, Do you like the dress, by the way? It's... It's a dress. It is a dress. Okay, so... Well, I, I, I don't, don't understand how I can help. First I, of all, come in here without any snacks, asking me to pay your rent. Did you... I wasn't asking you to pay my rent. Oh, what do you want then? I figured if you were big enough to cause enough trouble, go on. Maybe you were big enough to find enough money to help everyone else out. Uh, uh where am I going to find money? Aren't you some cool adventuring person? I don't. Yes. C- c- have you found? Continue with the flattery. Have you found much money on your cool adventures? I've got two crowns in my pocket. And was it after fun? Some cool adventures. Uh, I got paid in chicken last time. What's that worth? I'm not very good with money. Um, yeah, and I think at this point, Curtis probably comes into the garden as well. Looking for panty? Looking fancy, yeah. Nice. Yeah, you've probably had a similar conversation with Annie about where she is. Mm-hmm, yeah. Curtis, it's me! <laughs> Don't tell anyone, my name's Mrs. McBride! Oh, for crying out loud, uh... I'm keeping a low profile, Curtis. You look like you've been married and then thrown into a ditch. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, hi. I'm Curtis. Oh. Hi. Uh, Cam. Kamara? Wait. Are you from here? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe two or three blocks down. I was that weird kid who looked at you for like a, like a second and then you looked odd about it. So I changed back because I didn't like, I didn't want to make you feel weird. I just... You look cool. <laughs> Thank you. Blimey, I haven't seen you in in Yonkers. What are you doing here? Um, what I was here to find. Mrs. McBride. Mrs. McBride. Could you be aware of what's happening around Frogmore? Rent going up. Y- yes. Firstly, you're doing a terrible job at not being found. What are you talking about? I mean, you, you've literally just been found by someone. Yeah, it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> How did you find me? Well, you've not really changed much since however many years ago it was. <laughs> who knows who knows I'm here? Oh, never mind. Anyway, uh the rent, yes. Um as it happens, I'm also trying to do something about that. Okay. The Falls Brigade control the rent in Frogmore. Right. And uh basically me and uh Mrs. McBride here really pissed them off last time. Uh, was it also you? Are you the reason <laughs> it's like this? I found a way to get us both out of trouble, okay? Does it involve lunch? You can get lunch. Okay, I'm listening. And, um, well, my family, uh, my granddad, he was the standard bearer for the fool back in the day when they did the whole coup and things, and they reckon the standard is still here. So, uh, I mean... If we get this standard for the Fool's Brigade, they said they'll clear my name with them, and they said they'll clear your name with them. My, my name? Mrs. McBride, as a clean record. They know who you are. They know where you are. They want me to bring you in. It was either bringing you in or going and getting the flag for them. I chose the flag. You're welcome. Now, Jeez. you're going to come and help me. All right. Get it. All right. All right. All right. Everyone just needs to calm down and join me for lunch. How are you by lunch? Well, someone here, I feel, owes me lunch. Hey, I saved your life. You buy me some chicken. 
seems like a s- sensible exchange to me. I am... Um, oh, well, okay then. <laughs> Alright, that's settled. We'll go and get some chicken, talk all this over, and it'll all be fine. Well, well, my dad's at a pub somewhere, and he knows where the standard might be, I reckon. So we can go get lunch there, right? Lovely, everyone's happy. At, at the shambles. I guess I'm tagging along. You're tagging along, you're paying. I'm paying. <laughs> hmm. uh, good to see you again. Welcome to our merry little gang. Okay. Where shit happens. Fluffy, you coming for lunch? Yeah, I'm done. You're done, are you? You look pretty exhausted. You got enough pep in your step? Oh my god, you're bringing the pigeon. I'm bringing the pigeon? What you're, do you mean? You're bringing the pigeon. This is my mate, Fluffy. To reach the old city, our merry little gang will have to head north and across the river. On their way there, they pass a large grocer's called Dumphy's Corner Shop. And outside on the street corner is a human gentleman with white mutton chops and the pristine rust-coloured military uniform of the Copper Guard. Oh. Almost like a street vendor, he tries to grab the attention of passers-by as they return from worship or perform their Sunday errands. Okay, I'm obviously going to try and suss him out, because I'm always keeping my eye on the Copper Guard. Do you know, Panty, from your observations of the Copper Guard in Frogmore, they are trying to recruit people from the community? Alright, Panty's going Panty's gonna to slide in, try and overhear some conversation, keeping aware of this Copper Guard fella, but also Nick and Apple behind his back. Ah, you my good sir. Uh, what do you want? Oh, there's no need to be so abrasive. I just want to make conversation with the citizens of this district on this fine Sunday morning. How are you? You actually remind me of a young uh, lad who was in my charge a few weeks ago. Uh, You don't know a Will Grey Wing, perhaps? Ah, that would be my brother, yeah. Ah. Oh, yes. You're uh, Curtis Grey Wing, the pugilist. He talks often about you. (laughs) I should hope so. How is he? Oh, he's doing exceptionally well. You know, he's uh, studying two days a week up at the military academy. Mm. Yeah. Did you know that it's the only place outside of the universities to learn bardic magic, legally? If you're interested in picking up magic? (laughs) Me? A magician? (sighs) You'll never catch me doing no fancy spells. Very well, but uh, have you considered a military career, perhaps? You are already uh, something of a folk hero amongst the people of Frogmore. Imagine uh, wearing a shiny uniform. You know, officer, something else I'd rather be caught dead doing is wearing a shiny uniform. So, if you don't mind, I think you best turn your attention elsewhere. Oh, well, why would that be? The Copper Guard is a bastion of hope for the people of Capital. Forging forward into this new century, wouldn't you agree? Uh... Make a wisdom save. Oh, okay. Well, does it at least pay well? Oh, yes. A much more reasonable wage than most manual labour. I can see uh, you're not a stranger to manual labour. Have you considered a career change yourself? Not so much a career change, more a way of sticking around near my family, as they are a priority at the moment. Oh, well, if you live here in Frogmore, then you'll be welcome to join the team at the Ivory Tower and st- uh, be stationed locally in the area. Keep an eye on uh, all the ne'er-do-wells that might threaten the security of your home. And when you say ne'er-do-wells, would you mean your fellow townsfolk? Well, there are people who wish to undermine the security and safety of the city of Capital and the state. The Copper Guard are on the front lines against uh, chaos. Well, if you're on the front lines, you would have been fighting the same fight as we are. Well, I'm sure we are. We're, uh, we're allies, are we not? That remains to be seen. Make a wisdom save. Yep, cool. 
Okay, you both, your scepticism isn't completely gone, but you now believe that this person at least is your ally and has your best interests at heart. Oh, well, uh, my name is Sergeant Bailey, but you can call me Bill. Uh, if you want to report to the Ivory Tower sometime uh, to get all the details on how you might join Captain Tusk's uh, unit. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I'd, uh, I'd love that. You know, I'm, uh, I'm sure the Ivory Tower is a lovely place. Uh, never been there myself, but I've heard, uh, I've heard good things about Captain Tusk, you know. So, Panty's fed up with this recruitment technique. And what she has in her hand, obviously, is the apple. She's going to conceal a throwing it at this copper guard. But obviously, the idea of throwing away food is a terrible idea for Panty. So she pockets the apple, sneaks up behind the copper guard, and attempts to tip his hat off to undermine his authority and break this charismatic rhetoric he's performing on my friends. Okay, uh, make me a stealth roll. It's <laughs> <laughs> in that one. <laughs> Panty, you trip over an apple that's fallen down from the grocery store and it just clatter into the back of him. Oh, my goodness. Be careful. Oh, I'm so sorry. I tripped. There's a health and safety hazard here. Um, I'm terribly sorry. I'm just on the way to my wedding. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations on your nuptials, but please get up. Do not interrupt the business of the copper guard. Business of the copper guard? Suck my apple, copper guard. Panty takes a bite of her apple, spits it in the face of the copper guard, and says, Let's get out of here, team! Just assuming that everyone hates the copper guard, I'm, I'm completely bemused that these two are taken along with this. Okay, yeah, I'm legging it. We're legging it. Yeah, I'm, We're I'm running. Just, I, just wanted to, I wanted to pause for a second to make sure all my friends are coming with me, but yeah. If they're coming with me, then, then it's suck my apple, spit apple in face... Grab friends, leg it. <laughs> and he sort of shouts after you, curses after you. Great. Love it. Curse on your wedding. Curse on your wedding. Curse on your face. <laughs> yeah, that showed him. Hmm. Can't stand those coffer guard. And so we leg it towards the Royal Road and onto the old Capitol Bridge, the medieval structure that crosses the 900-foot span of the river, a narrow highway darkened by the shadows of homes and businesses on either side. A neighbourhood in itself which hangs above the brown flowing water. The way he spoke, I've... I felt that before. I think that was some sort of magic. Yeah, it's called being a loser. No, I can't believe the Copper Guard would just magic people into joining them. That doesn't sound too far-fetched, honestly. Actually, you know what I'm saying? I can believe they would do that. I just didn't think I'd fall for it. Oh. Yeah, no one ever does, so... Yeah... Thanks, Pat. Uh, Mrs. McBride. You're very welcome. Yeah, no, genuinely, do I thank you. Can I interest you in a bite of my apple? I was just going to buy you lunch. <laughs> okay, great, thanks. As they depart the bridge, our adventurers find themselves in the old city, the historic heart of capital and its church, state and economy. To their right, they pass by the grounds of the royal palace, the seat of Queen Gwendolyn and her council government, which overlooks the north embankment. In the skyline before them looms Trinity Cathedral, the three spires which have stood for centuries as the continent's tallest building. But they head west, along the historic river quay and towards a neighbourhood known as the Shambles. You see, most of the old capital was destroyed about 70 years ago, during the pirate siege. When the new queen was a young girl, the pirate king, a feared scourge of the western sea, 
took advantage of her naivety and brought his armada to capital, pillaging, burning and occupying the city for over a year. The shambles is what remains, a small cluster of wooden beamed buildings overhanging tight, muddy alleyways. In the modern era, it's a quaint reminder of Old Capital's Renaissance heyday as a hub for merchants, sailors and smugglers. And one of their old haunts would have been this large Tudor-style pub overlooking the river, the little Tinker Boy. Popular with visitors soaking up the old nautical charm, a sign by the door reads No Children, No Pirates as our three friends head inside. Searching the pub, Curtis swiftly spots two men sharing a table and what seems to be a punnet of fruit. An older half-orc man wearing a black vestment with priest's collar of shiny thin brass and a barn owl bloke with a familial resemblance to our windless wonder. Curtis! Curtis! That's my boy, that's my son. Come here, come here. Hey, Pa. You have to meet Wayland. We was navvies together on the canal. He's a man of the cloth now, but don't let that fool you. <laughs> Hiya, Wayland. Nice to meet you, son. How do you do? Uh, good, thank you. Shakes your hand. Oh, a firm grip you got there. Wayland knows there's some jobs going, Curtis, for people who can see in the dark. Might be worth a look. What kind of jobs? It's uh, someone from my order. He's looking to hire mercenaries to go underground. And the jobs are wee bit hush-hush. She doesn't really want the bureaucracy of going to the mercenaries guild. So if you wanted to go see her... Going underground where? I don't know. You'd have to go speak to her. You know the uh, Church of the Forge? Yeah. It's over by the blacksmith's guild. Right. There's a wee lass there, Rostia. She's a diviner with the hammers and tongs. You go speak to her. She's fixing to put a team together. To go, uh... Underground looking for stuff. We work a lot for the, the metal companies, doing security, doing exploration. Oh, thank you, Wayland. Uh, I might check that out. Curtis, you have to try some of these pears. Look, these are wild pears from the Fey realm. Oh, Dad, we're a bit out on times. So what are you doing getting wild Fey pears? Taste them and you'll see why. Curtis um, picks up a pear. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I can uh, see why you got one. Just don't tell your mother because she doesn't like me going round the Lucky Penny no more. Oh, why not? Oh, just old family bollocks, Curtis. Stuff her mother used to drill home. You know, when we was first caught in, she said, you stay away from those grey wings. That didn't stop her, though. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, yeah. Um... But they treat me with respect there, Curtis. Because of my old man. That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about, Dad. Oh, yeah? You finally getting interested in your family history? Yeah, yeah. You know, they told me that Grandad was, was the standard bearer for the fool. He loved telling me all the, all the war stories, flying about the Sealy Court with that flag in his hand. Yeah, I've heard people talk about that flag, you know, but I, I still don't really understand about it. What's it for? Well, it was the battle standard of the fool. You know, his brigade would rally around it on the battlefield. I think the idea was to raise it up above the Sealy Court after he won the coup. You know, like Al, the Queen has her royal standard flying up on her palace when she's in. Ah, right. 
So, does it do anything? Is it special, magical? I don't think so. You know how funny people get about flags and symbols. So, it's just a symbol. It's it's just a, a thing that, you know, makes people happy when they look at it. Yeah, it's just a symbol of heritage, especially for those folk at the Lucky Penny. Ah, yeah, the brigade. Mm. Yeah, they'd they'd really want something like that back, wouldn't they? I reckon so, but no-one's seen it for a century. I was at the Penny on Beltane, and I heard that that standard is in capital. I always thought it was still in the Feyround, but I heard it's here, somewhere. You think my old man brought it with him? Well, yeah. Maybe. He never used to like to talk about his... His days in capital told me a lot about the Fey realm and the coup, but uh, the migration here was a bit hard for him. Mm, yeah. They stuck him underground. Underground? Yeah, do you not know this? When the Fey came over, people in capital didn't know what to do with them, so they found these old caves up under the Grey Cliff, shoved beds down there and just forgot about us. And your granddad never forgot about it either. That's horrible. So that will have been the first place granddad was... When he came to Capital? Popcorn Alley. What? Uh, it's been on the tip of my tongue this whole time. He used to talk about Popcorn Alley. Popcorn Alley? Part of the cave where you weren't supposed to go. Humans used to come around nicking stuff from the Fae. Valuables, tapestries. And when they came around, he used to hide in a place called Popcorn Alley. You ever say where that was? Where are the... They're under Greycliff, right? Yeah, the Greycliff caves. Mm. So I'm picturing Clara just like watching you eat and devour a whole yeah. chicken by yourself. That sounds great. Also, Fluffy's involved. In, and Fluffy's in involved. Yeah, I'm like, Fluff, come and have a bit of this food. <laughs> and uh, notably, Kamara would not have ordered anything for themselves. Oh. And they're just watching you. Are they, are they drinking anything whilst they're watching me eat? A glass of water. Oh my god. Like, uh, and I'm here with a double, like a full roast chicken. <laughs> uh, a a like, full roast chicken and a pigeon joining yeah, you. Yeah, like, you were also given like a knife and fork to which... They're just playing with the fork and knife, mm-hmm. and they go, not, not to pry, but Mrs. McBride. Yeah? How have you gone on for as long as you have? What are you talking about? I'm doing great. I've got my best mate, Fluffy, here. I've got a full roast dinner in front of me. Which I paid for. Yeah? Okay. Why are you always talking about money, anyway? Money this, money that, never eaten out of a bin? Not by choice. Well, listen, after my boat sank years ago... I vowed never to sleep under a roof again. Never worry about money. Just live my life chicken to chicken. And it's worked out fine so far, so I don't know I don't know what the problem is. It's it's not a problem, it's just what I've heard is true. It sounds like you've been up to so much more since then. I just uh I mean, to be honest, a lot of people have been hiring me recently to track people down. It's dead easy, you just follow the smell. Sniff about the place, find a person, come back, get some chicken. Apparently I've been quite renowned for it, but it's difficult having a reputation when um, the entire Fool's Brigade wants you dead. <laughs> but don't worry, I've got this wedding dress on. Everyone's calling me Mrs. McBride. Don't need to worry about a thing. Although, Curtis seems are a little bit uptight about all this whole people want to kill us stuff and, ooh, the rent's going up, but I don't know. It'll be alright. I think that's kind of your responsibility when you do have a roof over your head. Well, I don't have a roof over my head and I've got a chicken in front of me, so I'm not going to worry about it. Okay. I guess one more curiosity. What do I smell like? You're taking an awfully long time. Try to ignore the sewer stench. Why are you always sitting on that bench? What bench? The bench down by the canal. That's what you smell like anyway. You smell like the bench down by the canal. Huh. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's one 
Fluffy knows it. Fluffy, what's that part of the canal done with the with the bench, the the little the little wooden bench, the place where you always get all the stale bread? Sandwich bench. Sandwich bench. You smell like sandwich. That's what bench. I call it anyway. Yeah, isn't that what it's called? Well, I don't know. I don't know the names of things. I just know how to find my way there. <laughs> okay, you smell it's like my a sandwich sixth bench. Sense. Sixth sense. I see. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's just a peaceful enough space to take a break from all the things I have to do to keep. My house afloat. House afloat? Not a boat. Oh, Sorry, turn a phrase. <laughs> yeah, I've got a bad, got bad memories of houses, floating houses. It's it's both my parents fairly old right now, mm-hmm. so I try to keep the roof over our heads, mm-hmm. doing as many jobs as I can. Sometimes, <laughs> I guess that's where I spend my time the most when I'm not working. Okay. Is sandwich bench. Sandwich bench. <laughs> Panty, as you polish off your roast chicken, a staff member approaches and places a glass of red wine next to you. Beautiful. It's from the gentleman over there. The gentleman? You look over to where she's pointing and see an older cat folk. A Persian cat with black fur and a long white moustache. He looks at you over his small circular reading glasses and raises his half pint of stout as a toast. Okay. Panty's going to maintain eye contact with this gentleman uh, whilst downing the entire glass of wine. And, uh... Sliding on over to our friend with the spectacles and the moustache. As you approach, you see he seems to be studying an old leather-bound book and a number of maps strewn across the table. Well, good afternoon. He looks at his pocket watch. I think it is afternoon now. All right. Thanks for the wine. I was curious. Are you on your way to the chapel or have you been left at the altar? Uh, there's a pause because I forget that I'm wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> on my way to the chapel. I'm not religious. Oh, yes. No. Um, I'm... Hey, do you want some chicken? I'll certainly take some, if it's going. How are we? Say, don't I recognise you from somewhere? Nope. Um, don't think... Um, let me think. Yes, yes, yes. No. You were at the, uh, the Jellicle Ball that happened last year at uh, Shooter's Hill Cemetery. Nope, not me. Oh, maybe I'm mistaken. Must have been someone who looks like me. Not me, though. I'm new to town. Oh, well, what is your name, miss? My name is... Mrs. McBride. A pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. And what's your name? Old Man Twist. Old Man Twist. The scholarly cat. Have you always had the name Old Man Twist? Like when you like did when you were born, did they look at you and go, "I shall call you Old Man Twist"? It's my true name. It's your oh shit. Old Man Twist, the scholarly cat. <laughs> Book learning is magic, if you think about it. Parchment and ink, the tools of my Lord's prayer. The pen mightier than the sword, the mind sharper than claws, knowledge the key to the heaviside lair. I can't escape you, Jellical cats, can I? Well, why would you want to? Yeah, key to the what? The what? What? What lair? The heaviside lair. Did nobody explain to you the origins of the Jellical faith? No, no one explained the origins of the Jellical faith, and I am dying to know. So Jellicals are a sect of. Cat folk who believe in the cat. Sorry, I didn't mean to yawn. Carry on. Believe in the cat lord, and of course the cat lord is not a person per se, but a title that is inherited. And we believe that the cat lord will return here to the capital region to Mm. proclaim his new heir. Of course. And each of us decides to please the cat lord using our own particular skills and personalities in the hopes of attracting his attention. And your skill is sculpting that moustache. No, my skill is being a scholar, the scholarly cat. A scholarly cat. Yes. Now, the heavy side layer, otherwise known as the felinosphere, 
is to cut Lord's dominion. Panji wouldn't be interested in what you're saying, but Panji will be looking at the maps and perusing those kind of things yeah. whilst finishing her chicken. Um, seeing what I can glean, because obviously Panji loves Panji loves a new alleyway, a new bit of history about the city, loves planning her escape routes from Copper Guard through new places and mischief that can be had in secret places of the city. So I'm assuming there's some secret places that might be on this map that would help Panty hide from certain Copper Guard when she knocks their hats off. Okay, give me an investigation check on the map. It is a 20, a beautiful, pristine nat 20, glimmering in the sunlight. You see a number of locations highlighted on the medieval map, which appear to be caves. And on the modern map, he has circled one in particular called Robber's Cave, which appears to be at the end of an alleyway off Cavalry Hill behind a music shop. And on that natural 20, I will say you study the map enough so now the whole district of Greycliff counts as your favourite terrain. All right! <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. I can't wait to cause some mischief and disappear down the alleyways. Okay, so now that I've gleaned all this information, I can stop having to listen to this sales pitch for the religion that I refuse to join. history of felinity? But when were the origins of Jellicalism? It's an interesting question. Well, the Jellicles are much older than you think. Lovely, We were yes. there when the I'll Pharaoh what, commissioned think, the Sphinx. I think that you're... Uh, um, what's all the maps? Oh, well, I'm doing some extracurricular research. Extracurricular research? Yes, I'm a professor of history at the university, but they, they don't fund my research into Jellicle matters. I wonder why. Well, I'm looking into a medieval account of some Jellicle pilgrims. They were coming to capital along the Peach Road, and in the area we now call Cavalry Hill, they were robbed by goblins, which was a common threat at the time, and the goblins were apparently accompanied by a large wolf, and they were robbed of gold, and also um, a peculiar relic that might have belonged to the Cat Lord. A peculiar relic, eh? Doesn't specify what it was, but there are artefacts around the world that belonged to Cat Lords at one time, and they're particularly potent in the hands of uh, cat folk. Yeah. Panty uh, uh, brings over her dress to, to conceal the throwing knives that she has on her belt. The fangs of best, obviously, mm-hmm. which are one of these such items. I suppose I could have them tucked under my garter. <laughs> okay. So I'll turn to Fluffy. Fluffy, need this guy's spectacles to distract him because I don't want to be talking about this bloody jellicle nonsense. <laughs> I thought you were into it, Panty. You thought I was... You are coming out with some absolute nonsense today, Fluffy. I don't need friends. I don't need religion. Just nick his glasses. All right, all right. Oh, yeah, he flies up into the face of this old oh, okay. cat person, causes so chaos, good. perching on the gold-rimmed glasses. Oh, like that Excellent. Yeah. Panty grabs a chicken, grabs his drink, and uh, slides on back over to camp. I turn, a, I turn around and I see a, a cat folk being attacked by a pigeon <laughs> and I look at uh, Panty and I'm just like ah, is this our cue to leave? Yeah, sounds great to me You coming? Yes I don't want to be here for that <laughs> Panty licks the plate and uh, necks the wine and legs it <sighs> What did you do to the cat folk? What, are the, what? I didn't do it he was, he was doing the pitch again the, the ooh 
Did you know that the Jellicle faith has been around for longer than you think? Look at my moustache. I've got a silly name. Why do you always keep running into Jellicles? Because they... I don't know. They see I'm a cat. I didn't think anyone could see anything of me in this wedding dress. So this happens to you a lot, then? Yeah, it happens to me a lot. And they try to get me into their cult. However, I will say, he had a cool map. He had a cool map? He had a cool map. With all sorts of bits all over it. And this certain bit circled... Robber's Cave. Caves? That... Up in Greycliff. The fuck? How do you fucking do that? That's where we need to go. Um, my dad said that, uh, my granddad, they put him in a cave. When they first crossed over from the Fey Realm, uh, they were put underground. The Fey were all shoved and locked away in caves and stuff. And, uh, my dad reckons that's where my granddad had the, uh, the standard, the full standard. If we get that, we're clear with the brigade. And they might stop hiking up our prices. I'm Robbers. not really bothered about the prices, but I'm I'm going to these caves anyway if you want to come with me. Wait, we started doing my mission to find my stuff to help you, and now you're acting like it's your mission that we're tagging along with. Listen, I came for the lunch. I've learned about some new caves. If you want to come with me, you're welcome. And if you, if you want to go on about your flag... <sighs> look. Cam, are you coming to look, look at some caves? I think I'm mostly affirmed in that if I found you, I'd find a way for adventure to hopefully pay back something. And it turns out, if a cave is called Robber's Cave, it sounds like a lot of crowns worth of stuff. See? This is the kind of thinking we need, guys. Even if we don't find (laughs) the flag, we can maybe solve one issue temporarily until you find it. Um, yeah. I mean... I'm quite well off, but I can never say no to a few crowns, and I've got to check out these Great Cliff Caves anyway, so... Yes, Panty, we will come with you to the caves. I'm glad you're all on board with my mission. It's my mission! Heading back past the palace and the boundary of the old city walls, we head east and up towards the district of Greycliff, the nouveau riche neighbourhood built on the towering limestone cliff of the North Riverbank. Georgian townhouses arranged in grand terraces, crescents, avenues and squares. Breathing space for the new middle classes of capital, a world away from the squalor of Frogmore and the industrial stink of Rivermouth. The main road into Greycliff is a steep incline, Cavalry Hill, with boutiques and artisan workshops on either side. Following Panty's newfound knowledge, we come to a small musical instrument shop, satire and song, to its right a narrow alleyway which terminates against a natural stone outcrop of the Grey Cliff itself. And within the stone, a solid iron gate, secured with chain and padlock, a sign reads, secured by the hammers and tongs. Right, my my dad's orc friend, he works for the hammers and tongs. He said they have jobs going for people who can see in the dark. Can I try picking the lock whilst Curtis is talking about his plan? Might be a way to get in there, uh... By the book, if you know what I mean. We can do this by the rules, above board, but I need to do this now. They look towards Panty, trying to pick the lock. They lurch forward, back (laughs) snapping slightly, as they grow in size and fur envelops their form, as Curtis, you see a large brown bear take shape. There's a beat where Cam eases into their new form. And at an exhale, they punched lock. Oh, now we're talking! <laughs> oh, shit, nice. 
guess. <laughs> I feel like Panty is facing the lock, like trying to pick it. Yeah, and then from behind you, a huge bear just smashes into it, shattering the mechanism inside as the chains fall to the floor and the metal door creaks open. I've learned a new spell, right? I can pick locks. If I try picking them, I can summon a bear. <laughs> Wait, where's Cam? Holy crap, you're Cam! Panty hears, yeah, I just figured this was <laughs> much quicker. Curtis hears, of course, yeah, because I can talk to her. So it's funny hearing her voice come out in bear form. <laughs> wow, I mean, love it. Big fan. Um, anyway, Curtis, you can wait out here and do things by the book. We're heading on into the cave. Dan, if I'm staying here, I'm going where the bear's going. <laughs> I'm going where the bear's going. Love it. How long do you stay in bear form? I can stick around in this form for an hour, I think. Love it. The natural light from the open cave door illuminates this first chamber. A rectangular cavern with rows of empty, decaying bed frames. The remains of a shelter for 50 or 60 adults and children. Alright, well, um, yeah, let's hold the head on in and, and, um... I mean, I guess I want to keep my wits about me. I don't want anything to jump out on me. So maybe I'll do a perception. You can smell a person who's been in here probably today. Oh. And you can smell burning oil. Like it's from a paraffin lamp or something? Yeah. Interesting. Towards the back of this dormitory, as you leave the daylight behind, you can just make out the flicker of a lamplight coming from deeper within the tunnels. As you approach, you reach an old wooden sign. Wiping the dust away, it warns of danger past this point, written in both the common language and sylvan. Sylvan? Yeah. What's that? It's like the ancient language of the Fey realm. Ooh, I can can speak that. Yeah. Nothing says, let's go, more than a sign that says, do not proceed past this point. (laughs) To you? Yeah. The Fey were here. They wrote that in sylvan as well. Are you sure we should be down here? I've already gone. Don't know why I'm even asking. Ignoring the sign's advice, you proceed deeper, and you come across a narrow tunnel heading down at a steep 80-degree angle. The warm lamp glow shines up from the bottom, and the entire circumference of this passage is lined with irregular lumps of pale, marble-like stone, each about the size of your palm. Does anyone else fancy popcorn? Oh, Popcorn Alley. This was the place that uh, my granddad said they weren't allowed to go there. If, if the standard got stolen, it will have been here. Seeing this, Cam reluctantly reverts back to their tiefling form. The only way is down. You each begin lowering yourself down, using the bulbs of Gypsum Cave popcorn as handholds. Carefully and uneventfully at first, especially for Kamara who leads the way. Panty and Curtis, you notice that the stones under your weight feel a little bit looser than's comfortable and you hear a cracking as the ones supporting you begin to break loose. Make dexterity save. Um, saving throws, dexterity... Oh, plus four. Twelve. Eight. Panty, with cat-like grace, you find secure footing as a lump of white stone goes tumbling 30 feet below you. Curtis isn't so lucky, and as the popcorn rocks in each of your hands gives way, you fall, plummeting past Cam as your head ricochets against the stone until you hit the solid ground below. Ah! Ah, this is why I don't go climbing. As you compose yourself, your alfolk eyes readjust as you find yourself in a warm halo of lamplight. Looking down at you is a halfling woman, 
her stout three-and-a-half-foot frame protected by a heavy leather apron that skirts her rust-coloured shirt and breeches. A white linen scarf sits around her neck, and her dark hair is tucked away, tight, under a simple headscarf. She sets her safety lamp down, the oil flame flickering behind a cylinder of perforated metal, and she helps you to your feet. Oh, uh, uh, hello, uh... You should not be here. Sorry for dropping in, uh... I, uh, yes, you're right, I will be on my way. Do you know where I could get a lamp like that? This Geordie lamp, it is property of my order. Oh, are you are uh, an Amarantong? That's right, yes. Ah, uh, yeah, um... You should not, this is no place for spelunking. No, 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 what, excuse me? Spelunking. No, 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 I know, um, Wayland. Oh, yes. Yeah, he, uh... Big man. Big man, he said there was, um... He said there was some stuff down here that you needed help getting, and I'm good at getting stuff, me. (laughs) Yes, we are in need of help. I want to go further, but I need uh, canaries. Well, uh, I'm an owl, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is most unusual way to uh, interview for a job. You should have come to Temple. Uh, Yes, well... uh... It was kind of a time-sensitive matter, so we kind of thought, my friends are up there, we kind of thought we should uh, take matters into our own hands, as it were. You want a job, or you want to just thief? Oh, well, no, we're not thieves. Uh, You're trespassers. Uh, I mean, I offer, I offer you a job. We can go now, otherwise, uh, you know, no time like present. Yeah, sounds good. Who are your friends? Come down. I'm just going to slide on down, then, and do some insight on this cheerful Russian... Uh, minor. You heard that she's with the Hammers and Tongs. They are a mercenary group slash religious order who have a spiritual connection with metal. They've secured these caves for some purpose. And you also notice that she's holding a small piece of metal ore in one hand and channeling some kind of magical energy through it. Okay, Pandy's going to sniff the energy. Okay, yeah, she's using it for some magic purpose. <laughs> I see you're using this piece of rock for some magic purpose. Yes, I am diviner. Oh, no, you... you're diviner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like you. I like you, pussycat. Oh, thanks. All right, sweet. You want um, to come spelunking? I don't know what that means, but if it involves food, I'm in. It involves dangerous gases. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have some dangerous gases after what I ate last night, I'll tell you that. I can speak animals, so therefore I should be able to do a pretty good impression of a canary, right? <laughs> Ah, very good. Uh, how do you react to fire damp? Fire damp? Yes. Fire you keep, damp? You keep singing. If we encounter fire damp, you will uh, stop singing. Fire damp? Those three things don't go together. Fire damp. The vapours from the mine can explode. Okay, I can understand what a bear is saying, but I don't understand this technical jargon you're saying about mining. Anyway, yeah, let's go. I mean... Guys, we're going, I'm see- going into the mine. I'll see you later. Bye. You can see in dark, yes, Kitty? I can see in the dark, yeah. Okay, what you part do you can see in the dark? Uh, cameras come down, but they are in human form. Uh, I can't see in the dark, but I can show off guns. Nice. <laughs> I can I can pick up an axe. Ah, oh, nice. You can take Georgie lamp for me. Yeah, sure. So we can come with you? Yes, I mean, you want to go deeper? Yeah. I am a divining copper. Divining copper? The metal companies, they want us to look into these caves. They're unexplored. There may be a little gift from Artisan waiting here. 
Did Fluffy make it down with us? Yeah. Okay, he just flew down. Yeah. Fluffy, you didn't slip on those rocks, did you? Don't be daft, mate. <laughs> nice. You think a couple marbles are going to stop me? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. Ah, uh, this is your canary, yes. Yeah. Unconventional, but it could work. Yes, that's my whole USP, as they say. Tell us if pigeon passes out. I'll let you know if a pigeon passes out. Fluffy, will you let us know if you're going to pass out? I ain't giving up the ghost for no reason, Penny. Thanks, I appreciate that. As Cam takes the Geordie lamp, Brostia can focus on her divine divination, using the lump of copper ore as a compass to navigate the party through the tight channels of the cave system. Guys, she's doing magic. Okay, with the thing. Yes, Panty, she's doing magic with the thing. Yeah, the artisan... uh... (laughs) The artisan puts metal in the earth for us to find her. Okay. It is our mission to seek it out as puzzle for for us, for mortals, eh? a gift. Yeah, um, sounds cool. Have you got any sandwiches? I have pasty. Oh, very tradish. For later. You help me find copper, I have give you half pasty. Yeah, that, that is a deal. That is a deal I, just, I am willing to do. I just fed you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, she's always hungry. Okay. As you head deeper, you begin to hear more frequently the dripping of water. The rock walls around you become damp to the touch as water seeps down through the limestone cliff, leaving stalactites and stalagmites behind as it pools around your feet and flows down further into the dark earth. There is a pathway here of sorts, between the rock formations eroded by boots and hands as well as water. Not for a long while, but people have been this way. In the middle of this pathway, in a narrow gap between stalagmites through which our party must squeeze, appears to be a thin, continuous stream of running water from some unseen source in the cave ceiling. I'm going to taste it. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little little sip, just like a... Okay, as you put your face near it... Mm -hmm. It does not smell like water. Oh. Oh. And as you try and bring your nose back away, you feel it stuck to your face. The water stuck to my face? You realise this is not a stream, continuous stream of water. Oh. It's some kind of tendril hanging from the ceiling. Tendril? Like a tentacle? Yes. Oh. And it's sticky and it's stuck to my nose? Yeah. And it starts to wrap around your body. I've got sticky on my nose and there's something wrapping around my body and it doesn't taste nice. Um, it's wrapping around my body? Yeah. Can I try and slide out of it? Can we swipe out of it? You can make a strength check. A strength check? I'm not very good at strength. 13, 15. You grab into the sticky, slimy tendril as it tries to squeeze around your ribcage, ripping at it with your claws, tearing away chunks of black flesh and translucent slime, giving you enough wiggle room to slide away. You look up, following the filament as it recoils, and you discover... It's not a tentacle, but a tongue, returning to a mouth of excited mandibles, above which sits a single, tiny, black eyeball. A large, insectoid creature, somewhere between a lobster and a cockroach. Completely white, it's hanging upside down with eight strong legs neatly flush against the cave ceiling, motionless between stalactites, waiting in ambush. Or at least, it was. Roll initiative. Fluffy, get the lobstery thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and do it in with my knives. You want me to fly up with that thing, do you? Just distract him whilst I'm stabbing him in the, with the stabby things. 
All right. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Let's fuck up this crab, shall we? Let's fuck up this crab. Go, Fluffy, go. Fluffy flies up to the ceiling, swerving past the creature's claws and revealing a small gap in its chitinous armour around the shoulder joint. Panty unleashes one of the fangs of Bast at the giant scary crab lobster slimy thing. It digs into the monster's flesh and you feel the familiar pull of the dagger returning to your hand. Curtis slips on his knuckle dusters, looks up and he's like, Oh! Well, I can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> Great deduction. Curtis looks at Rustier. Um, any ideas? I'm usually good at uh, hitting things, but they have to be, like, next to me. If you want, we can lure it down here for you to punch. Oh, my God. Oh, that's that sounds fun. Now you're talking. Or we can be sneaky sneaky. <laughs> sneaky sneaky how? We run past it. Or... If you want, we can collect cave vodka. Cave vodka? Yes, the blood of these beasts. Listen. High alcohol content. Ooh. Don't you start. Listen, <laughs> we didn't come down here to get sloshed. We came down here to find some stuff. Speak for yourself, mate. I'm getting the blood of... I'm getting lobster blood for lunch. You can do that, Mrs. McBride. I think we should be sneaky sneaky. Cam? Uh, I'd rather hit not kill Panty. You do what you want, Curtis. I'm going to stab this thing and drink its blood. Oh, f- crying out loud. Okay, how do we get it down here? Uh, you take this. She just hands you another piece of metal ore from her bag. Just chuck it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Curtis, with his best efforts, uh, launches the metal ore up at the creature. It pings off the hard chitin and rebounds and smacks him in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> nice throw, Curtis. Oh, oh, damn it. Oh, look, I'm a boxer, not a darts player. <laughs> you threw that like a child. Despite your terrible throw, it does get the insect's attention and you see its legs begin to peel away from the ceiling as it drops down to your level. There's no time for sneakiness anymore. It's in your way. It wants one of you for lunch, and Panty is closest. It grabs at you with both pincers and squeezes, cutting into your flesh. Seeing the insect lunge towards Mrs. McBride, Cam instinctively lurches forward in a sprint and jumps towards them, transforming back into a brown bear, biting and clawing at it, hoping to break Panty free. Your teeth struggle to pierce the creature's armour as you chomp down on the pincer, but your bare claws prise open its grip, allowing Panty some room to breathe and wiggle free. Ah, you're hurt. Come back. Why? What are you going to do? I, I heal you with blessing from autism. All right. Hit me up. Panty lifts up her dress and runs, runs at Rostia. Rostia drags you aside and locates a nasty open wound on the side of your torso. She places her rough hands against the bleeding as the cut begins to sizzle, cauterize and seal together with a liquid metal that spreads and solidifies the wound shut like an iron scab. Ah, oh, thanks, Rostia. Rostia? Is that your name? Rostia. Rost... Rostia. Da. Thank you. Um, Nastarovia. Fluffy, my sweet friend, with your skilled flying... And your amazing abilities and strength and good looks. How do you feel about diving in for that? If we kill it, we can have crab vodka for lunch. 
and you know how you love crab. Sounds good. You want me to do the old flyby? Do the old flyby, your classic trademark flyby. Use those sharpened claws, Fluff. It's a nat 20. Oh, oh hell yeah! Right. I told you you could do it. Like a seasoned fighter pilot, Fluffy dive bombs at the crab, risking the pincers and the hungry mouth, going straight for its tiny vestigial eyeball with his remarkably intact and sharpened toes. Fluffy, bring us that eye back. I want to taste it. The black eyeball, about as big as a marble, is delivered into your hand and it feels wet, covered in a clear liquid. Can I sniff it? It smells like hard alcohol. Oh, yeah. You were right, Rostia. This is some dank blood. (laughs) (laughs) Curtis, seeing this bleeding eye hole, thinks, ah, that's a good target, and attempts to run. He jumps, and he tries to punch it, tries to grab onto the lobster, but the uh, creature is bleeding and slipping now, and he can't get a purchase and gets shaken off. Lands on his back again. It shakes you off, Curtis, and is going to turn its attention to the brown bear. Its sticky tongue shoots out towards you, Cam. Alright, as that thing flies past, I'm gonna um, stab it with my short sword. You bring the sword down in an attempt to cut the sticky tendril, but it's not quite enough, and the blade sticks to it and is pulled out of your hand as the tendril finds Cam's bear paw. Wrapping around the wrist, slime oozing into the brown fur as it begins pulling you towards it. You resist at first, but as its momentum pulls you towards it, you take the opportunity to let yourself go, leaping forwards with the free paw and smashing the creature's face, ripping off the armour around its eye hole as that clear ethanol blood gushes out onto the cave floor. Rostia scrambles over to the Geordie lamp. She picks it up, looks over to you, Panty, and chucks it to you. If it's flammable, then I'm just going to lob, swing that lantern right into its face. As you smash the lantern into its wounded face, the blood seeps into the metal mesh of the lamp and ignites, bringing the flame back out towards the creature as its head is engulfed in fire. The flames travel up the tendril like a candle wick as it flails around pointlessly and the blood surrounding its brain boils. It screams twitches back in retreat and dies. Fluffy, grilled crab, let's go. Can I go and try and eat it? Can I get into the... Can I, like, try and nibble a bit of claw? Like, rip off the shell and have a bite of some charred claw? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just it just tastes like hard spirits. Oh, vodka crab. I like this. <laughs> it's going to catch on. I should open a restaurant with vodka crab on the menu. Uh... Cam would like to revert back to the human form and collect some vials of the very flammable, very alcoholic blood. Yeah. That's the spirit. And uh, Rostia comes to join you. She has a little hip flask. Nice. Uh, cave, cave vodka, uh, your connoisseur. I've been, I've been around cave vodka. It's not my first Curtis, mine a, rodeo. Get a slurp of this. Get a slurp of, it's not your first what rodeo? Mine rodeo. <laughs> mine rodeo. <laughs> Curtis, get a slurp of this. I am not getting wasted in a dark cave. I'm not saying getting wasted, I'm just saying taste it. It has its other purposes, as you saw. It's blowing up. Oh, planning ahead. I'll take a vial. Okay, another of you. You gather up your cave vodka and yourselves, and you carry on, huddled in the light of the Geordie lamp, following Rostia's divination spell on that piece of copper ore.
Um, hey, uh, I'm actually looking for something. You haven't seen a flag down here, have you? A kind of magical flag? A flag? Yeah. Mm, I don't think so, but I've never been this deep. Ah, right. Not without my canaries, huh? Mm. By the way, I forgot to talk to you about payment. I have I have a budget for this job, 1,000 crowns apiece. Oh, that would be very helpful. How many chickens can that buy? I can buy you many chickens, my friend. Okay, then sounds good. Thanks for um, fixing me up there. No, I mean, I'm not going to thank you for... You can thank the artisan, my friend. It's his magic. This better not be like those jellicles. It's a faith. It's a faith. The uh, creator god who puts metal in the ground for us to find. Okay, cool, bro. <laughs> Are you interested in religion? No, I'm not interested in religion! <laughs> you follow the stream of running water along the floor of the caverns until it becomes heavy enough that you find yourself on the bank of an underground river that cuts its way through the limestone. Ahead of you, you hear the sounds of roaring water as the cavern opens up, preceding a sheer drop as the river falls away into a powerful waterfall. Near the top of the waterfall, you find evidence of a small encampment, the rotten remnants of tents, bedding and wooden structures around a cold fire pit, and scattered about the place are the long-dead skeletal remains of several goblins. All right, well, let's go and loot the dead. Would people be open to taking a break while we're here? Taking a break? Oh, it yeah. It is a camp. Barrier, fire. Yeah, you, I mean, I'm just going to go and steal some stuff. You okay. break what you want. <laughs> yeah, I could use a rest to get my mojo back. Get your mojo. You need your mojo, mate. You were just some swinging and missing. Uncharacteristic of you. Ah, oh, I'm not in the right headspace for this. Caves and magic. It's not my forte. Well, I apologise for this as I produce flame with my hand. Oh. <laughs> and I set the bonfire alight. Nice. As the bonfire lights up with arcane fire for the first time in maybe centuries, we spend an hour or so catching our breath, licking our wounds and poking around this medieval goblin camp. It looks like the goblins here died in combat. Most of them are clutching decayed weapons and shields, obviously no use or value to their attackers. But you notice, Curtis, one of them is holding not a weapon, but a trowel, a small triangular shovel. What do we think he was doing when the camp was attacked? Digging for something. Yeah, or? Planting something in the ground. Mm. Uh, can I see a kind of hole where, where he was digging or anything? You search around the outskirts of the camp and find a small patch of dirt, close to the cliff edge covered in dark mosses that drink the spray from the waterfall. There's a single stick poking out vertically and deliberately from the soil. Okay, I... Pick up the shovel and start digging. Cam, you notice that Rostia is no longer just warming herself by the fire, but has begun sweeping the dust and soot from around it. And she's found something. She reveals a pattern of mysterious etchings, carved by primitive tools in a triangular arrangement around the stone pit. What do you got, Rostia? I don't believe this is just a campfire. Could possibly be ritual purpose done something I shouldn't have? <laughs> oh, not you. For these little fellas here. It looks like she's reading the inscription or the symbols in the horrid gill of the limestone hill. The devil hound of Gehenna summoned by fire banished by fire in service for battle 
forever. Curtis, you dig with the trowel and it doesn't take you long before you find, buried in the soil, a small cloth pouch. It's heavy and it feels like it's full of coins. Curtis opens the pouch. There is about 100 gold pieces in here and these are not capital crowns, these are medieval gold pieces made of gold. Wow. So they're worth 10 crowns each. Amongst the gold coins, there are also nine golden claws. Claws? Bear claws or cat claws? Cat claws. <gasps> Mrs. McBride, I think you might want to take a look at these. What have you got? Um, golden cat claws? Interesting. Give us a sniff. Okay, let's give them to you. Each one of them has, like, a ring that looks like it would fit over your fingertips. I'm going to put them on my fingertips then. As you slip them on, you feel a tiny magical sensation in each fingertip. Pins and needles. It reminds you of the feeling every time the fangs of Bast return to your hand. The golden claws fit neatly over your own. And there's nine of them. I've got ten fingers. But what do cats have nine of? Lives! I've got nine extra lives. What? Okay. Curtis. Stab me in the head and see if this works. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Can I have these? Yeah, I don't need them. Thanks. You might want to show them to one of your jellicle friends. Oh, we do. Uh... What's that about nine lives? Cats have nine lives. Is the thing that people say, isn't it? Oh. Oh. When they fall off things, they always find a way of landing in a really amazing way. And you always find a way of landing in an amazing way when you fall off things, don't Why, you? Why, thank you very much. Maybe that's how you've made it for so many so many different adventures, then. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I put it down to the, um, the magical capabilities of chicken, but everyone's got their different beliefs, I guess. All right, onwards. Are we going down the waterfall? Yeah, and Ross just sort of comes over to the ledge, says, hi, look down. Right. I can't see what's down there, can you? I can tell you, I can see 60 feet. I can see 180 feet. Can you? Yeah. That's cool. I can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cam cannot see beyond the light of the Geordie lamp. Panty, you see the waterfall falling away beyond the limits of your dark vision. And Curtis, you can see the splash pool at the bottom of the waterfall. Ah, it's about a 70 feet drop. Do you I can dive it? Can you dive 70 feet and be okay? Let's find out. I'm going to attempt a swan dive. This is a bad idea. As Panty and Curtis weigh up their cliff-diving odds, Kamara, in the quiet flicker of the lamplight, no one's watching you. Everyone's looking down, backs towards you as they stand on the cliff edge before that dark void, that lethal drop. And look at Panty especially, the torn skirt of her dress catching in the water her boots finding a precarious footing on the wet moss. Kamara looks at all of them one at a time, then finally focuses on Panty and slowly walks towards them. And you can watch as they shake, as they try to figure out if they want to do this or not. And it, there's a beat. as they go for a push.
Hours earlier, on this Sunday morning, we see Mrs. Crossingham, the austere landlady of Frogmore, at a house visit, sat at the kitchen table in one of her terraced house tenancies not far from the Royal Canal. But this isn't the Greywing house, it's the Asani house, Cam's family home. With a teaspoon, she scoops a thick black syrup from a small jar, swirling it rhythmically round her teacup until it dissolves. Wild honey from the Fey realm, it's a bit sweeter than what they can produce here. Thank you for the tea, my dear. Well, I was taught to be welcoming to guests, regardless of how they make me feel. How is the property treating you and your family? It's been treating us well. I honestly don't get to spend as much time with here as I'd like, trying to keep food on our tables and hmm. my parents well. Well, if you think that's a heavy workload, you should see the inside of the debtor's prison. Your family are several months behind on their rent. I'd have every right to send you there. And you don't because? She sips her tea and raises her eyebrows. You know why she's here. Cam looks down at the tea they've made themselves. What do you need me to do? Let's talk about Pantera Snipes. It's hard to hide the recognition on Kamara's face upon hearing that name. Her debt to us is far more considerable than yours. Why, if someone were to help us remove that problem, I should say we'd even owe them. The value of a property like this, perhaps? Cam waits for a couple beats to respond, looking at their surroundings, various picture frames across the walls with them and their happy family, (laughs) Uh, knowing full well that they're upstairs, not even aware this conversation is happening. If I do this, my parents... There'll be... You won't... There'll be no debt for us. We can we can live on happily here without you or anyone else in your company coming back. This house would be yours. And let me tell you, there's never been a better time to get on the property ladder. If I do this, I would like some security. One more favour, if I ask for it. Is that how valuable Panty is? A favour from the Fae? Make a persuasion check. Eight. Debt has been my business for a hundred years, Mixasani. I think I know the value of things. Now, go and find Miss Snipes. Why not today? And if the opportunity arises, you'll just take the chance to give her a little push in the right direction. Don't you think that sounds like a reasonable suggestion? Make a wisdom save. <laughs> I go for a push in a way that doesn't push Panty off, but like grabs Panty on the shoulder. I can't. I can't do this. Can't do what? What the hell are you up to? Damn. You're taking too long. I'm going to scratch you right in the face. Cool. Can I take this? Panty scrapes her newly adorned claws across Cam's cheek the sharp golden jewellery drawing blood as they make no attempt to deflect the blow. No, Panty's in, in combat mode. She's not saying much. She's hissing. <laughs> and um, flinging her claws about. Hey, hey! 
What the hell's going on? What are you doing? Okay, I'm going to draw the fangs of Bast and say, get the fuck out of the way, Curtis. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Panty. Look, calm down. There's got to be a misunderstanding. I say get out of the way. What? What did they... Do you want to be the armless wonder? What did they even do? Do you want to be the armless wonder? Get out of the way. They tried to push me off the cliff. Panty, let them speak. Curtis. I'm not letting them speak. They can speak when they're dead. <laughs> Make a dexterity save. <laughs> I got that one. In this heated moment, Panty, with blades drawn on your friends, not knowing who you can trust, you slip. The mossy edge of the waterfall gives way. Your foot travels backwards to find your footing, but it finds nothing but cold spray and dark air, and you begin to fall. But in that moment of weightless panic, before your feline agility can react, you feel a sensation in your fingertips. It's that pins and needles around your claws, and it begins to spark and shoot hot through the nerves in your hands. And you realise that you are still falling, but slowly, as if some invisible force within your palms is lowering you to the ground at one-tenth the speed of gravity. Panty, how are you... how are you doing that? I'm not talking to you. You... you are literally flying off a cliff and you are still concerned about this. Yeah, I'm still concerned about it. You two are trying to kill me. I'm not trying to fucking kill you. I'm not... I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to fly myself down here. It takes you 20 seconds to float down the entire drop of the waterfall. And as you approach the splash pool... Your body contorts around your hands, allowing them to enter the water first. And as soon as the golden claws pierce the surface, the magic dissipates, and you are dropped into the cold water. Okay, I'm going to swim to the side. Is there a, and you is notice there a... the golden claw on your thumb mm-hmm. shatters. Oh! Dust. Down to eight. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell anyone about that. I'm just going to swim to the side. As you swim to the side, you feel fish swimming around you pale-skinned, blind cave eels who wriggle out of your way. And as you clamber out of the pool, you find yourself standing atop the bones and fish head remains of hundreds of them, littering the floor. As if they'd been killed and eaten? Yeah. So something lives down here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I see around me. Come on, I've got 22. You know that the river seems to terminate here, probably carrying on through some inaccessible underwater passage. And as you clamber across the fish bones, you see, tucked behind a stalagmite here, a wooden lockbox, oh. a rectangular chest about a foot and a half wide, and the lid is decorated with an intricate ivory inlay, depicting an owl. Oh. On top of the waterfall, what are we, what are we doing? Curtis, Cam and Rostia. Cam is, after watching Panty fall off, but then also from... Curtis' reaction, assume, is safe. He's just on their knees, trying to hold off tears. I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't, I, I can't, I can't do it, I can't. Curtis, I, I'm not, I don't want to. I just, my family is, is a debt, and they gave me the out of killing Panty, and I and I thought about it, I just can't. I, I won't, I can't, but I, if I don't, then my parents still... And I can't do that to them. I can't do either thing, Curtis. Help. Um, Curtis walks over to Cam and kneels down. Listen, 
I know all about being stuck between hard choices. Sometimes you just have to make the one that feels right in your heart. I don't know you really. We were not the best of friends as kids, but I want to believe you're a good person. I want to believe that you wouldn't kill someone for no gold in the world. And I believe that maybe there's a better way, a different way. There has to be something that we can do to get ourselves out of the clutches of these people. I don't know. You gotta figure out what you wanna do. Only you can know that. You're someone who can become lots of different people. You can change your face at will. But what do you wanna do, Cam? I just want a bit of peace. And you don't wanna get that peace by hurting folk like me and folk like Penny? Doesn't make sense otherwise. This, uh, this fool's standard means a lot to them. Maybe if you help find it, maybe that's enough. Or if not, maybe we have some way of getting rid of them. I don't know. But we gotta go find Panty, right? Yeah. 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 Curtis holds out a towel in hand um, to pull Cam up. And Cam reaches for it and pulls themselves up. Can I grab one of these eels out of the water? You can grab one, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to grab one and eat it because I'm furious and I need some food. Sure. <laughs> um, it's kind of sticky and slimy like that tendril was in your mouth. Oh, okay. So I'm just furiously, furiously munchy on this eel. Sorry, eel. Munch, 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 munch. Yeah, look at the box. I'm assuming it's got the flag inside it, so can I just, I'm going to just break it open carelessly. Um, you smash it against the stalagmite and it does not break. Oh. It's completely intact, no, not even a damage. Not even damage? Mm. Has it got a lock on it? No. Oh. But it's just a closed box? Yeah. No lock? No. Not a physical one. Is it magical? That connection you have with your daggers and with your new claws, mm -hmm. there might be a similar connection between this box and someone else. Presumably an owl if it's got a picture of an owl there. Alright, sweet. Um, I'm gonna hide it under my wedding dress. And then um, I'm gonna find somewhere to hide. If these two are coming down, I want to catch them unawares. Oh dear. Oh no. Panty, as you've been grappling with this box, something's been watching you. A pair of unblinking eyes that glow with fiendish fire. A hound? A wolf? Something like that. It stands the best part of seven feet tall on all fours. Its filthy black fur mats into sharp spines around skinny ribs behind which burns the hungry orange flame of some hell or another. It waits unnaturally, perfectly still. If you could see it, you might think it was some taxidermist or wax sculptor's cruel joke of a creation. But you can't see it, Panty. Even on that 22. It lurks at the periphery of your vision, smeared in an illusory darkness of its own creation. And before you can think about ambushing your companions, you feel a boiling, stinking breath down your neck 
as a pair of jaws clamp around your shoulder and teeth rip into you. Hey, Canary, you down there? Cannot hear you singing. I think she will have floated to the bottom, but it's too far down. How do we get down there? You're the cave expert. Well, I have rope we can repel down, but it's a slow process. You think she's safe down there? <laughs> I blooming hope so. Remind me, if I were to animal ship mm-hmm. and fall, my animal ship takes the damage, yeah. and I'm back to me mm-hmm. with any over damage on me. Yeah. Let me do a quick calculation in my head. Okay. <laughs> okay. Curtis, I know it'll be a bit harder to trust me, but trust me. As Cam, <laughs> as Cam runs off and dives, uh, turning into the brown bear once again. Cam, as you in bear form, leap into the void beyond this waterfall and begin to fall. Within two seconds, you smash down into the splash pool, displacing a huge amount of water and white cave eels that go flying over the cave floor. So we're going to roll 76. Cool. <laughs> this is looking bad. It's a You survive. Your bare form takes the hit and resurfaces under the waterfall, battered but intact. Curtis, you can hear growling as Cam is shouting, Panty! Mrs. McBride! Panty, I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry! Please! Where are you? Is it but is it latching onto my shoulder or is it just take a, a, a gnash? It's not grappled you, it's just bitten you. It's just bitten me? Yeah. I'm going to spin round and unleash both fangs of Bassinet. Panty, um... Flings one fl- fang of bast directly at the chest of the wolf, and the other one brushes its fur and flies over its shoulder. And they both whip back into your hand. You hear Panty as Kamara Bear roars uh, as I am activating rage. Oh. The hair stands on end as the bear becomes more ferocious, charging towards the sound, seeing Panty in danger and rushes at a woven figure. As the bear lunges, it goes for a swipe first, uh, missing due to the velocity which they're traveling, but in doing so, that is onto the wolf with their jaws. Oh, 13, 13 bite damage. Your bear's jaws crunch into the nape of its neck as the wolf throws you off and turns its attention to you, Cam. All three of its attacks hit you, <laughs> and, w- and one is a crit. <laughs> this Love feels it. good to me. Good. <laughs> um, it's 35 damage. Oh my god. <laughs> this is all halved because I'm ranging. 17 total. The wolf picks up its huge claws that look like they're made of black glass and swipes at you twice tearing the flesh of the bear before returning the favour, biting down with its vice-like jaws around your nape. 
snapping the neck of the bear and tossing you aside as you shrink back to a humanoid form. So angry. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Kamara spits out blood. So Rostia and Curtis are rappelling down the cliff. They're about halfway down. Panty, you're up again. I don't want to attract his attention. I want it to attack Cam because I'm pissed off at Cam. <laughs> She's going to step back, crouch behind a stalagmite and cast Hunter's Mark. Yeah, she casts her spells by rubbing her tummy. <laughs> she, she rubs her tummy and squints her eyes and looks at the wolf while she's crouching behind the stalactite. Wait, stalagmite. Relishing in the fact that it's attacking Cam. I swallow a bit of spit <laughs> and blood as I nod and I shout at the wolf. Come on, then! As she rushes, initially running on two legs, and then four, becomes a bear again <laughs> once more. Cool. Uh, thank God we had a short rest. <laughs> and then, yeah, just lunging towards it. Bite, claw, classic bear. <laughs> 24, 25. Cool. So the bite damage is 11. Claw damage is 12. What? That's really good. <laughs> uh, raging bear, baby. Yeah, the heavy claws and teeth of the bear bite into the fur, the wiry, spiny hair surrounding this wolf as the orange flame from inside it glows brighter, like stoking a furnace. But as it backs away, clearly wounded from this bear assault, the flames in its belly and eyes start to dim, and as Curtis and Rostia arrive at the foot of the cliff, the wolf dissolves into the darkness, without trace, just as it had appeared. Even the brightest nocturnal eyes among you strain to comprehend where it moved to or how. Panty, even your magical hunter's mark, only gives you a faint whiff of a direction, and you are all left in the peace of the waterfall. Curtis rushes over to Cam. Hey, you okay? Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, bear thumbs up. Bear thumbs up? Yeah. Nod. Um, <laughs> have you seen Panty? Nods. Where? Uh, yeah, Cam points in the direction. Um, Rusty, did you see that thing? I thought I saw a, a wolf. The, our friend from the summoning circle must have been here a long time. Bar guest. What? This uh, fiendish hound spirit from the stinking valleys of Yehenna. A spirit? Like a demon? Yes, a fiend. Ah, Curtis just called out. Panty! Panty! Okay, then we go. The copper ore in her hand is beginning to glow. What about the fiend? I don't see it anymore. May the artisan protect us, come on. It's a bit of a puzzle for us to solve to get to the, the treasure. <sighs> Everything's a game with you. Okay, Cam, you coming? They're not. Okay, it's, um, follows her forward. Yeah, Cam is still shouting, looking for Panty. Pan Panty! Panty! So, I've got Hunter's Mark. I'm still pissed at Cam. I'm probably going to head on after the beast. 
I haven't done any of this tracking in Hunter's Mark stuff before, so I'm not really sure how it all works. But roll survival to track it, right? Mm-hmm. You'll deal an extra one d six damage, and you have advantage on survival checks to find it. Let's go. Oh, nice. <laughs> that twenty. That twenty, baby. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> With advantage. Double down twenty. Four. <laughs> I'm not talking to anyone though, and I was hidden, so Curtis can't see me. I'm sulking basically. You lost sight of the beast panty. But with your mystical hunter's mark placed upon it, you can tell which direction it went. And it's the same direction in which your party mates are heading. In that case, um, I'm going to let them go ahead because I I want them to get attacked before I get attacked by it. And if I know where it's going and I know they're going in that direction, then I'm going to follow behind them, yeah. So you stalk the party from behind, readying an action for when the creature attacks them. Yes. Okay. Rostia leads you away from the running water as the copper ore in her hand glows stronger, with a cool green that washes with the warm flame from the safety lamp. She runs her hand along the cavern wall. Bingo. She drops the stone, along with the concentration on her divination spell, and brings the lamp up above her head, illuminating a wide seam of teal-coloured, uneven crystals. It begins here at your eye level, before widening to line the entire wall of the cavern before you. Here she is, Malachite. We must give thanks to the artisan. And as she surveys the sacred beauty of this natural treasure, her lamplight catches a pair of wide, reflective eyes. Slumped before the wall of Malachite crystals, you see an injured goblin. Tall and slim, with a pallid purple skin, emaciated and nursing an open wound on its shoulder. Please help. Curtis knuckles us to still on, walks up to the goblin. Who are you? How far underground are we? I don't know, friend. Uh, That waterfall is like a 70-foot drop, and then... But this is way deeper than that. I don't know. Do you... Do you know where you are? Uh, come, come closer. While Cam is watching that, can I give a sniff check for sniff. if the wolf, the wolf is around with my keen bare nose? Yes. Oh, 24, please. Yes. You recognise the sort of sulfurous smell that came from the fire in the creature's belly, and it is the same as what's on this goblin. Uh, after picking up the scent of sulfur, I, as best as I can block Curtis from walking forward as I growl angrily at, at the goblin in front of us. Hey, what you do? Is he bad? Uh, turn round to Curtis and nods. As you do that, Rostia steps forward. My friend, we are about 300 feet underground at least. Hold still. I heal you with blessing from Martisan. And as she stretches her hand out to bless the goblin's wound... Its arm shoots up to grab her wrist as it becomes a huge, spiny paw and its eyes glow with fire. As soon as that hand shoots out, my knife is straight out. Panty's throwing knife whips through the cold air and embeds itself clean through the creature's wrist, forcing its hand open as Rostia shuffles away in escape. Panty, from your hiding spot in the shadows, you feel the familiar connection to the fangs of Bast, the magical cord that you can use to pull the knife back towards your hand. Or, 
you can let it pull you forwards. Does that knife dig into the paw? Okay, I'll teleport towards it. In a whoosh of magical energy, your body is pulled through space. You materialise in front of your companions, your hand around the hilt of the dagger, as you come face to face with the beast that bears your hunter's mark. I want to stab it in the throat. You raise the other dagger high and bring it down into its throat, as it writhes in pain and attempts to transform, its body trapped between goblin and hound, as fiery hellish energy bursts from its wounds, spilling out into the air around it, framing itself. A self-defence mechanism, a ritual casting. Seeing Panty appear again, Tan will run to try and go between the wolf and Rostia. And she looks up at you, making eye contact with your bare eyes. <sighs> Summoned by fire, banished by fire. So, yeah, Cam, in this instance, using bonus action to de-shift back to human form, uh, rustles up a Molotov cocktail with a flask full of crab alcohol and <laughs> and their produced flame cantrip chucks it at the wolf. After shifting back to humanoid size, you uncork one of the small glass vials of blood you gathered from that insect, producing a small magical flame at the lip of the bottle. You chuck it towards the creature who's being subdued by Panty and it smashes onto the rock floor. The flaming ethanol pulls around its legs, which kick desperately trying to escape. The magical energy around it begins to form a white-hot frame, a portal, and from inside you can feel a faint breeze of fresh air. Curtis runs, picks up the jewelry lamp, and says, Okay, throwing, don't fail me now! No, yeah, you did well last time. Yeah. Uh, Curtis lobs the jewelry lamp at the uh, beast. Between the dripping oil from the lamp and the burning alcoholic blood from beneath, flames begin to consume the creature and endangering you, Panty, burning at the soles of your boots, catching the hem of your dress and reflecting in your feline eyes as you focus on this fiendish beast making its last desperate breaths. She's going to hold that knife right in its throat and its hand, waiting for it to burn. And you take five fire damage. Nothing. From within the fire, it makes one last-ditch attempt to wrestle free, yanking its neck away from the blade as it comes loose with a tearing of tissue and fur and viscera. It pushes its foot against your chest panty, sending it backwards towards the magical portal. And the flames rise up, consuming everything, blinding you all with white light. And the portal vanishes, leaving the stale air of the cave and the dying fire. And as the flames subside, you see it has disappeared. Was it banished? Did it escape? Either way, it's gone. But it's definitely gone, right? Okay, I'm gonna turn around and I'm going to run at Cam with my short sword drawn and say, you've got two seconds to explain yourself. Cam looks to Panty and says, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I don't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I never will, I never declare my family's debt with the Fool's Brigade, I, you've got, you've got a large target on your, on your head, Panty, but I know I couldn't do it, 
even when I tried, even if I wanted to. So if you want to kill me now, that's fine. Empty your pockets. Done. <laughs> what have you got on you? Uh, it's like 13 crowns still in there. She's going to push, she's going to take, take your money, okay. push you aside, and then turn to Curtis and say, well, what about you? Are you in on this? I have no idea. And you don't need to rob them. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. Hang on. They, they made were- a mistake. They, all- they accidentally pushed me off a cliff. They didn't push you off a cliff. They... The Fool's Brigade threatened them. Threatened their family. Threatened their home. Yeah, why did I come into that? You were the one who painted a massive target on your head. We both did. This is why we're here. I was and- saving... I was saving Linny... We were both saving Linny. I don't understand what it's got. why I had to be pushed off a cliff by this person I haven't met since I saved their life. I saved your life and you're going to push me off a cliff. And you can see my quandary now, can't you? Quandary. Quandary. A quandary is, do I go for the spiced chicken or the plain chicken? That's a quandary. No, it's not much of a quandary, actually. There's always the spice. Look. They, they wanted to, but they didn't. Okay. They just saved your, helped save your life from that thing. We're poor enough as it is. We're all starving. The rent's going up. If we steal from each other and fight each other, that's how they win. I mean, great speech, Curtis, but I still don't trust either of you. What? What did I do? What did you do? I feel like you want you wanted to kill me as well. You must have wanted to kill me your, for your rent. What? Why would I, Panty friend? Also, you. Come- you got between us, so you you protected them. I didn't want no one to kill no one. You protected them after they tried to kill me. All I was told was to find my stupid family's stupid flag. <sighs> Panty, I understand why you're upset. Anyone would be. But uh, surely there are bigger things than, than just squabbles between us. It's them that wants us to fight each other. It's them that wants us to hurt each other. It's them that wants us to be poor and lose our homes and lose our livelihoods. The brigade shouldn't have a hold on all of us like this. Rostia, what about this pasty? You turn to Rostia and you see she is knelt in prayer in front of this malachite crystal. In prayer? You'll come join me, my friend. I have pasty for you. Yeah, sounds good. You're a good canary. Mm-hmm. I'm not turning my back on these two, though. Enough fighting from you. We have solved the artisan's puzzle. Now we are in holy place. What is it your problem? What's my problem? They tried pushing me off a cliff. What are you talking about? Am I supposed to not have a problem with that? This is a complex world, canary. Just like the patterns in this crystal. With many complex people. They change their mind. They save your behind, risking their own life. Alright, anyway, what's going on? They want, they want to kill you, they leave you down here to suffocate like canary in a coal mine. They didn't do that. Alright, well I'm not going to try and kill anyone now. For now. I'll leave, that's, that's all I can guarantee. Hey listen, I don't claim to understand people. I understand metals and minerals. My life is very simple. I get to live for free in temple. Do you pay for your your home? No, I don't. I sleep in a bin. Wait, do you live down here? Not down here, in the temple. Oh, okay, all right. My life is guided by the artisan. But other people, 
they are guided by other things. And it makes them silly. Alright. So what do you want to have? You got, you've got your copper? Uh-huh. Now what? Because what, what about our finder's fee? Oh, you come all back to the temple with us. Uh-huh. I give you. Okay. But first let's bask in your majesty, huh? You talk about me, the maj- Her Majesty? Uh, you're funny. No, I mean uh, the gift of the artisan. Ah, uh, okay. Just take a second to look. Alright, well I'm not... Yep. I'm going to keep one eye on these two. No, 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 they join us. No more fighting here. Come, let's sit together. She recovers her Geordie lamp to light up the green, shimmering crystals and just encourages you all to sit and look in a quiet moment at the different shapes, the fractal patterns, the gift of the artisan. Cadiz thinks it's very beautiful, but he also feels conflicted about how to protect the things that we love and the things that we have. He has so many loyalties to so many different groups and he wants to protect as many of them as he can, but he often finds that protecting one means not being able to help another bunch or or pissing off another bunch. Um, So he's kind of... uh, He thinks about the rock and how solid it is and how it stays together and he wishes that he could bring all his people together. Cam make sure to sit as far away from Panty as possible to give yeah, wise choice to man. give her space. <laughs> and she kneels down looking at it, seeing their reflection and trying to feel some kind of peace that is overshadowed by plenty of guilt. Guilt towards Panty and guilt towards their parents as they imagine the visage of their mother and father in their reflection and they you know they look down away from their reflection just trying to figure out what the hell they do now I mean I'm still pissed I'm trying to forgive them well I'm trying to let it go but I'm still pissed it's 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 pretty nice I'm thinking of the pasty to be honest and panty as you finish your half a pasty mm-hmm. you Remember, under your wedding dress, there is that Fay Owlin lockbox. Alright. Oi, wonder boy. Have this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lob it at, at, at Curtis's feet, because I'm still... Panty's sulking so hard into her pasty, um, but she's going to lob the... She's going to lob the, the box at Curtis's feet. You... Oh, where did you even get this? Thanks, Panty. Yeah, whatever. How do I... Curtis touches it. As you touch it on the sides, the lid just clicks open. Oh. It's a fey lockbox that's attuned to a specific kind of fey creature. It reminds you of one that your mother used to keep her jewellery in, but this one's a lot larger. And inside, you see folded up a heavy cloth flag of green and black lined with gold trim and all that you can see at the moment is just a green and black checkerboard pattern uh, I take it out you take it out the box and it unfolds into a ten foot long triangular shaped battle standard on the green and black background a golden goat with a crown around its neck amongst a field of gold roses and an embroidered motto in the Sylvan language. Suffer the fool. 
Okay, I uh, Curtis folds it back up and puts it back in the box. And closes the box. Well, with this, hopefully we, me and you anyway, Panty, have settled our debt with the brigade. But I'm not sure what you want to do, Cam. I'm not sure either. If I can figure out how much my family owes, maybe I have something clearer, but... I mean, you could have this. Curtis gives him the pouch full of gold coins. Uh, Cam opens the pouch and sees the the hundred gold pieces and looks to Curtis. And they go, I, I, are you sure? I'm well off enough. And I don't like the brigade, but if we're going to do anything about them, we got to be in their good books first. At least have the element of surprise or something, I don't know. See if this helps. Clear all our names, and then maybe we can figure out how to get them off our streets. Thank you. Okay, are we done with drama? Then let's get paid, come on. On a street corner in Frogmore, not far from the Lucky Penny, we see a shop. The setting sun reflects in the etched glass windows which read Crossingham and Newgrange, the humble counting house of Mrs. Crossingham, the epicentre of Frogmore's property business. Her clerk, a small androgynous pisky, flits about, closing up the shop front as the blue-skinned landlady enters and hangs up her shawl on a coat rack. Thank you, Mabin. You may excuse yourself for the evening. Oh, thanking you, ma'am. My husband will have a roast on the table and it'll be getting cold. Mm, Quite. Did you send that gift basket to the Pembroke Company? I did, ma'am. Um... I was fixing to ask you, perchance, for a little surplus on my hours today, what with it being Sunday and all. Mabin, Frogmore doesn't rest. Neither do I. And I certainly don't think we require an entire day for it. Thank you for your service, but the regular rate will suffice. Very well, ma'am. Finish up and I'll see you tomorrow. I have some bookkeeping to catch up on. She leaves the clerk to close up and retreats to her private office. She sits behind her desk, lights an oil lamp, and opens a drawer, retrieving a glass jar of fey wild honey. She opens it. She pushes three fingers deep into the jar and scoops a handful of the sticky black honey directly into her mouth, hunched over the desk. The door of her office bursts open. All right, here I am. You gonna kill me or not? Panicked, she wipes her mouth with her sleeve and shoves the jar back into the drawer, where her sticky hand finds the grip of a flintlock pistol. Then she sees Curtis and Cam entering behind you, and regains some composure. Curtis has got a flag. Mrs. Crossingham, I found it. Mr. Greywing, you talking about the full standard? Yes, I have it. Fantastic. May I see? He uh, shows her the box, and it opens. She wipes her hand on her skirt and she lifts it carefully from the box, placing it unfolded onto her desk 
As she runs her fingers across the golden embroidery, you see her icy composure begin to melt as she refrains herself from being overcome with emotion. Thank you very much, Mr. Greywing. You've done a great service for the Fae. Goodness. I found it. Hang on, I did the service for the Fay. It's only him. He, just, he can open the box. Okay. What do you mean? Okay, you wanted to kill me a minute ago. You just talking about a great service he did. Where's my gratitude? I found the thing. I well, got bitten by a big wolf. And I ate, ate any of it. Fantastic. Your contribution will be noted. Mister Greyring and I had a deal. Both of your slates will be wiped clean. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman of my word. And and is Cam in the room? Yeah. You also had a deal with this one. To bring Panty in. I say that now Panty's debt is clear. That deal doesn't matter. And we wouldn't have been able to find the standard without their help. So, if I were you, I'd wipe their slate clean too. I've got this if it helps. Showing the pouch of gold pieces. Yeah, you put that uh, pouch of medieval gold coins onto her desk and she looks inside. Hmm. She very hastily puts the bag of gold pieces into her desk drawer. Very well. Thank you all for delivering the full standard to us. May it fly for many more centuries, and I will see your debts neutralised, all three of you. What will you do with this standard now you have it? That's brigade business, Curtis. If you wish to join the brigade, then you know where to find us. Hmm. Well, um, Mrs Crossingham, I'll be seeing you. Panty hasn't got anything to say. She just turns (laughs) around and leaves. With Fluffy on her shoulder. Cam nods, quietly leaves, and when the door shuts to Mrs. Crossingham's office, they crumble. It's like more relief mm-hmm. than anything else, staring upwards at the sky and then back down to their knees. And <laughs> you hear them cry out of, yeah, cry out of relief. Titus comes over. Hey, uh, you gonna be okay? Now that you're, uh, clean? Cam wipes the tears off their face and says, I think I'll be fine. I think... As long as my parents have a home, I'll be fine. Thank you. Both of you. And I'm... And I'm, and I'm sorry. Yeah, you're not forgiven, but I'm not gonna kill you. That's... Fine by me. The evening passes, and at the very end of the day, we return to the Queen Titania. Annie Wexler, with her long blonde braid, is closing up, gathering up the tankards and bottles from the day's custom, and among the last remaining regulars, who do we find? Panty is sat on her own in one of the booths. Um positioned herself in the corner with her back to the wall hunched over a table with a glass of Vimto in front of her As you finish your Vimto Annie comes over to you to take the glass away I'm supposed to tell you that the dartboard is for darts only not throwing knives Alright More rules Uh, We're closing up now there is uh, space in the beds upstairs, if you want it. No, I'm all right. I'll stay outside. Thanks. Yeah, I know. It's not going to stop me from asking. Okay, I appreciate it. You uh, work for food, don't you? 
I mean, yeah, but I'm in a bit of a, I don't know, I've had a lot of people after me at the moment, so I'm sort of hanging back from signing any deals. Well, I'm working on a scam to bring home some bacon. I could do an extra pair of hands. I was all right until you said the word bacon. Go on, tell me about it. I'm not making any guarantees, though. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I've had people trying to push me off cliffs all day. Yeah, Fluffy told me what happened. Yeah. He's probably the only, the only one I can trust around here. Well, do you want to talk about it? Well, I was in the Lucky Penny recently, and they had this person that they'd turned into a bird, and they were going to sacrifice her. And, I, well, I just went in there and let her free because I didn't want to see her die. I mean, she is one of the quizzies, so I'm not like that attached to her. I just didn't want to see someone getting sacrificed in front of everyone. And then earlier today, someone who I just made friends with tried pushing me off a cliff, and apparently it's after everything that happened in the Lucky Penny. And I don't, I don't get it because... The stuff that goes on in there is ridiculous. Curtis had to pay for entry by getting punched in the face by the bouncer. And then they want to kill me for just throwing a few little knives about. I thought this, the point of this city was that everyone just runs around doing, what, doing whatever they want. I don't, I don't get why they're all after me for that. I know why. You know why? It's because you're dangerous. And not because you're so good at throwing knives around. I am good at throwing knives around. It's because you don't speak the same language as them. What do you mean? Currency, property, roof over your head. You don't value those things, and they control those things. So they can't be used to control you. Right, but why do they want to control me? I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'm just eating chicken and hanging out with a pigeon. You know that they own Frogmore, right? When they say the Fae own Frogmore, it's not just a figure of speech. What, they're like landlords? Yeah. They own the land? They own the land, they own the roofs over people's heads, people like Curtis and Cam. It's weird because they act like they're like a different bunch and that they've got different values, but if they're all just doing the same thing, then what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons why I left them. Oh, you, you were with them and then... Yeah, me and Georgie and Curtis, we all used to run with them. Hmm. What makes you different then? Because I care about the people here in Frogmore. And as a kid, I thought the brigade did as well, but I began to realise that their interests and the interests of the people that live here weren't exactly in the same direction. Hmm. So what would you do if you were in my situation then? Because at the moment, it feels like it's not safe for me to exist in this city. Fluffy said you patched it up with them somehow, giving them this flag... Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the flag was. I don't even know what that means. Like, is that just... It, have I patched up with them, or is, is someone else going to try pushing me off a cliff? The brigade work on traditions and codes that we might not understand, but if they say they'll leave you alone because of that, they'll leave you alone. Until when? Exactly. So I don't know whether I don't know whether I should leave town or not. I mean, like, you're being nice, and you didn't try and push me off a cliff and throw my knife at the dartboard but I don't know if you're going to try and kill me for drinking Vimto or whatever you, your values are. Vimto is perfectly within my values. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair. Uh, have you got any leftovers? Sure. Well, uh, chuck some out of the back. Thanks. What's your deal with the copper guard? 
What's my deal with the cover car? I mean, what do you mean? Do you like them? Do you? Well, obviously not. You like watching them, though? Yeah. What have you seen? You know, kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. They're the biggest physical power in this city, and if you want to survive sleeping in bins, then you've got to know what they're up to. Well, maybe you and I do have something in common. What, you sleep in a bin? No, but the copper guard concerned me. <laughs> As kids, Curtis and Georgie and me, we used to run around Frogmore with impunity. Now, there's a uniformed soldier on every street. And why is that? We're not at war. I feel like something bad is brewing and I'm the only one who can see it. Well, they're like, like they're preparing for something. Do they come in here? No, they wouldn't. How do you know? Billy Brewer, he's the chap who owns it. He's an old fey magician. He has too much respect in the community. Even the Fool's Brigade respect him. And those kind of things run deep. If the Copper Guard came in here or the Inquisitors came in here, it'd be a whole thing. So they stay out of it. For now? Mm. How do you know that's going to last? I don't. The way they're escalating things, mm. the way they're taking more control, is that what you're getting at? I don't know. I just wanted to speak to someone about it so it feels like I'm not going crazy. Well, Snipes, as a customer, you annoy the hell out of me, but <laughs> I kind of respect you a lot. Thanks. Are you sure you don't want space in the beds upstairs? Yeah, you can keep offering and I'll keep saying thanks. Won't stop no. me from asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You have been listening to Adventures in Capital, Episode 2, The Full Standard, starring Jesse Cooper as Curtis, Carlo Honilla as Kamara, Piper as Panty, and JC Crossley as everything else. It featured additional sound design by Michael Gelfi, and a full list of music featured in the episode is available at patreon.com forward slash Adventures in Capital. Adventures in Capital is a Jurassic Cast production, created, edited, and produced by JC Crossley. That's me, and I'll see you again for the next Adventure in Capital.